Luke chapter 2. Stand with me if you would. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. Uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. Favorite part of the Christmas story. Tomorrow, we'll take some time before uh, tomorrow as morning as a part of the day goes to read through the Christmas story. How many of you have that a little bit of your family tradition? You'll read through the scripture story together and we're going to read not the whole story this morning. We will tonight at various occasions, but we'll read probably the the key part of it in Luke chapter 2 verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much again for the opportunity to be here as church family folks who know the Lord, to be able to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ for His birth into this world and the reason for which He came. Lord, I pray that as I preach from this passage of Scripture that You'd fill me with Your Spirit and that Your Holy Spirit would touch each heart as we look to the Word of God that You inspired. I pray that You would draw us near to You, that we would lift You up and that Your Word would be magnified and our hearts would be touched by the moving of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that our relationship with You would be strengthened today. Lord, we love You and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Talk about a story. I, I, my mind kind of goes back as I read these stories here to our time I, uh, we spent in Israel due to your generosity, which I greatly appreciate. And that right there around Bethlehem, you know, to see some of those hills uh, that were there. And I just kind of pictured in your mind, we had the opportunity to walk through, which would have been possibly the manger. As you know, the shepherds here, it didn't seem like they looked long and hard to find Mary and Joseph. It was as if there was a place that stood out as to where they should go. And we don't know that for sure, but there is a place there that even at that time was known as, as where, the, where the shepherds would gather. And you'd go in there, it was a little cave, and you could walk into that little cave, and you could see there again, as Brother Anthony mentioned, they, they would carve the mangers out of stone. 
and some of those things even there from the time of Christ. And to just picture what it must have been like. We just sang the, the song Silent Night. I picture a very quiet night for those shepherds on the side of a hill. And then that silence just broken by some angels. And uh, just that silence is pierced by an angel that would show and, and uh, begin to give them this wonderful announcement. And then the others, the hosts that would come along to sing. And what a story to be able to picture that. That's an incredible, incredible Christmas story. It's impacted each of us for our, to the time of year. The traditions that we'll have. I, I think of growing up, I remember Christmas morning, you know, we'd all wake up early. We were kind of early risers anyway, but for us kids, we were extra early that morning. How many of you have kids like that? They're, they're extra early on Christmas morning. They're getting ready to get up and they want to open those presents. And we'd, we'd wake up. And of course, my mom and dad would not be waking up as quickly as we wanted them to. And uh, so we would try to go wake them up. And since there was nine of us, it didn't take long for us to wake them up. All right. Didn't take long at all. Now I am reaping what I have sown. All right. And as my kids, not nine, five. All right. But uh, riot, making us rise and shine. But we'd wake up and we'd read the Christmas story. That had to happen first. My dad was always like, no, you're going to read the Christmas story first. And we'd read through the Christmas story and we'd open gifts. And then we'd have our breakfast and go on with the day. But to think about the Lord Jesus Christ, this incredible, incredible story. Tonight, we're going to take time as we read through the Christmas story and then come to the end of it to, to take the Lord's Supper and think about the reason for which he came. Uh, what makes Christmas so special is Calvary, isn't it? And the two go hand in hand. And it's what makes this not only the one who was born, but the reason he came. But there's some incredible things here about the birth of our Savior. And I want you to notice just a few of them. And the first thing I want you to see is, is the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2, would you? And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. What a simple story. And yet, as you read this, you see the most powerful person in the world at the time. The leader of Rome would give an order that all the world should be taxed, that they should be taxed. And as a result of this, Joseph, being from Bethlehem, being from the line of David, would go back to his home or back to where he was from in Bethlehem, there to be taxed, there for census to be taken. And all the, all the most powerful empire in the world moved. And I'm reminded of what the Lord said in the book of Micah. In Micah chapter 5, and matter of fact, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it says this, But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. We see the reason, you know, the real reason that Jesus was born there is because God said so, isn't it? The real reason for why the Lord was born in Bethlehem is because God had hundreds of years ago said, he's where he will come from. And here we see the Lord behind the scenes moving an empire, moving an emperor to bring Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem where the Lord Jesus Christ would be born. It's the theme, matter of fact, this, this, this kind of runs through the Christmas story. If you were to read in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, it says, And when they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is just after the wise men left. Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt 
and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Then he arose and took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. You know, as you read the Christmas story, matter of fact, if you read through the Christmas story and you read the life of Christ and you read the, the, uh, the, the crucifixion story of our Savior and his resurrection, you will find over and over again the prophecies of God fulfilled in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see God moving behind the scenes. The early church in Acts chapter 4 would recognize this when in their prayer in the face of persecution, they would quote from Psalms chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 where it says, Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Why do they try to work their ends and try to work out their things knowing that all the way behind the scene, God is weaving his plan throughout history? I like it when it says in Matthew, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, it says this, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. God's plan went beyond Micah. It went beyond Isaiah. It went beyond the prophets of Psalms. It went all the way back before the foundations of the world. And God laid out a plan and God laid out a purpose and he laid out that plan that his son would be born in a little manger in Bethlehem, would live his life without sin, would die on the cross and rise again three days later that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? everlasting life. God's sovereign plan. Sovereign plan. Caesar would go about his way. Uh, they would go, Herod would try to stamp out the life of Christ when he could, but God would use his rage to bring about his will and take Jesus into Egypt and then back out. And we would see at the Lord's crucifixion that the Pharisees and the Sadducees would try to stomp out the Lord Jesus Christ. And let, yet God would use the rage of the religious crowd and the rage of a, uh, of a secular world to, to allow Christ to go to Calvary would he, where he could lay down his life that you and I might be saved. Why? Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? God is working all the way behind the scenes. The sovereignty of God. The plan of God at work through the ages. Right? Nothing has changed. God is still working behind the scenes. God is still at work. Ah, sometimes we look around at our world, we look around at our personal circumstance, we, work at the, we look at the world stage or the national stage, but more than likely we often look at our own place of life and we wonder what hap is happening, but I would remind you that there was a God who was working all the way behind the scenes. Mary and Joseph, no doubt wondering at every step what would come next, and yet God provided. God would provide. Go take, I can't imagine, I'm sure that Joseph must have wondered, now is the time for taxing? Really, did it have to come at this stage of my life? My wife is expecting. Could it really be? And yet it was the plan of God. Now maybe he knew Micah chapter five and verse two, right? I would hope. 
But there he would go. Several years later, there in Bethlehem, the, the, the wise men would come and they would worship the Lord and they would leave and the Lord would remind them it's time to flee. Herod is coming and, and they would flee into Egypt and yet God had a plan. Several years later, he would turn and go to Nazareth. God had a plan over and over and over again. In spite of what was happening in the world, God's will was unfolding. I remind you, Christian, in spite of what's going on in the world, God's will is unfolding. God uses man to accomplish his purpose. And we see that in the Christmas story. Lord reminded us that he had had a plan before the foundation of the world. And he would move throughout the world, throughout what we would say is history, and we would watch God unfold. I'm reminded of what someone said recently. I heard in a message that, that, you know, you and I, we exist in time, don't we? We have a schedule. More than likely, you kind of know how your next week's going to unfold. We're we're creatures of time. We live inside time. You're hoping I'm done here in about 20 minutes, all right, and lunch will be on the table. We exist inside of time, but, but God doesn't. He created time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He exists outside of it. He already had a plan before he said, let there be light. God had a plan. And nothing could stop it. God's will is still unfolding in our time. As God does work, there's great comfort for Mary and Joseph in realizing that this was the Son of God and that God had a plan. And I will tell you something, there's great comfort for the Christian in this. God still has a plan. My call is to trust and obey, right? For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. God's will unfolding, and we see here. We see the announcement of the angels. I look at verse 8, it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with them an angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill. Two men. I, I pause. I, I like it where it says in verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day. For unto you is born this day. I have five kids. Four of them are here. I guess Nathaniel couldn't behave in church, all right? So four of them are in here, and, and uh, four of them are here, and I, I remember their births very well. I remember the verse very well, and you might say to my wife or I, for unto you is born a son, Samuel. For unto you is born a daughter, Audrey. You might say that. But it would seem odd, if it, wouldn't it, if I said, for unto all of you is born a son, Samuel. We'd say, well, that's a little hokey, right? And it would be hokey. They're my son, right? But isn't the phrase used here in this passage of Scripture to some shepherds, for unto you, is born for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior which is Christ the Lord there was one born that day for them I'm reminded of John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he what gave his only begotten son 
for unto you is born. He didn't say, for unto me is born, for unto God is born a son. No, for unto you was born the son. This is the son of God, the savior that will take away the sins of the world. There is one that is born this morning that will take away your sin. He would say to, to Joseph, you, you'll call him Jesus for, for he shall save his people from their sins. And John the Baptist would make that the announcement to the world. We'd say, behold, the Lamb of God, which will take away the sins of the world. And over and over again would be highlighted because unto you is born this day a Savior. A Savior. There was one born that morning for all of mankind. He was the Son of God born into this world for you and I. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. A choice was born that morning. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? A Savior, a Lord. It says in that verse, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord the promised one in Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one from God, and the Lord, the one who had rule and reign for all of eternity. There was a hope for the present, and there was a hope for the future in that passage of Scripture. There's born this day a Savior that will save you from your sins, and there is born this day the Lord, the Messiah, the promised one that is born this day in Bethlehem, the one you've been looking for, he is here, the one who in rule and reign for all of eternity is born this day unto you. I think the, the gifts that, he ca that came with him, look at verse 11 again. It says in, here, or in verse 10, and the angel said unto him, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great, what? Joy. I'm thankful for the joy of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. John 15, 11 says, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Boy, there's a joyfulness about the Christmas season, isn't it? I wonder if the joyfulness about the Christmas season could be about the fact of the one that we're celebrating, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a joyfulness because of the focus that we find the Christmas season on. And it's not the gift that we give, is it? It's the one who came to this earth, the joy of the Lord. I think of that night, those shepherds on a hillside tending some sheep, very likely sheep that were intended for sacrifice in the temple. That's what was raised in that region at that time. Very likely that they were tending some sheep that would be sacrificed in the temple. And the final sacrifice was born a little manger in Bethlehem, right? Once, the last one in Bethlehem, he was born. And he would say, there is joy in him. There is joy. This world cannot offer the joy that Christ does. This world can offer some happiness, and happiness is temporary. It's circumstantial. It comes and goes with the circumstance, but the joy is present even in the face of sorrow. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're reminded that the Lord would say, I don't want you to sorrow as those which have no hope. And he's speaking of the loss of a loved one, that one who's gone on to glory, those which are asleep, and yet God would call us to have some joy. We don't have to have complete sorrow because there's the presence of joy in knowing that there's a risen Savior. The joy of the Lord. The joy that was provided in the person of Christ. I, I think of the peace that's offered in the person of the Lord. Look at verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. Peace. 
You know, he's not talking about a ceasing from war. There's been a lot of war since then. <laughs> Matter of fact, just maybe 100 years or so from this point, 70 years after the death of Christ, Jerusalem would be utterly destroyed by Rome. There's been many wars waged since that day. But there has been a peace provided in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is the presence of the Holy Spirit who gives us the fruit of the Spirit, and one of them is peace. There's an inner peace in the face of outer tribulation that only Christ can provide. And it's only a glimpse of what's coming one day when God gives us both an inner peace and an outer peace as he rules this world. Peace. He looks to these shepherds and says, I want you to tell you there's one coming and he's born for you that you might have a savior, that you might know joy, that there might be peace. And he provides a confidence in our life. Look at verse, verse of 10 again. He says, and the angel said unto them, those next two words, fear not. Verse 14, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace. And then this statement, goodwill toward who? Man. Boy, there's coming a day when the Lord comes. I think if you were to read Revelation chapter 19, you'd read about his second coming. Goodwill is not on his mind in that moment. <laughs> Robed in white, his vesture dipped in blood ready to tread out the winepress of his wrath. The world's marching against him there at the end of that tribulation period and God would wipe out all his enemies with the sword that came from his tongue. But this day, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. He's coming with goodwill toward men. Fear not, a confidence I'm thankful this, for in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a confidence that he means good to us all. I think of just what he plans for us in our life, the peace that he provides. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. There's times when we may look at life and say, I wonder what the Lord is doing. Well, I can tell you this, you may wonder at what God is doing but it's always for our good. For those who know him, those who love him, to conform us to the image of his dear son, the sovereignty of God that's on display in the birth of his, of his son that has not changed at all. God is still working behind the scenes. And my wife and I were talking about this the other day. One of the kids had a current event report to do and had to search the current events. And she was looking up online and you say, you almost hate to do the current events because you have to read all the current events and they really don't sound too good sometimes, right? Like, can we not find a good one? And if you find a good one, you had to sort through about 100 bad ones to get the good one, right? And you're just like, I think I'll help you find this one because I don't want you to read the other 50, all right? And you sort through all of those things. And we look at our world and we say, what in the world is going on? But there is one behind the scenes. There is one behind the scenes. And he is working. And the angels would herald his coming. For unto you is born this day. Unto you is born this day. Not just Mary, not just Jehovah, not just Joseph, not just God of heaven, but unto you and I was born this day in this city. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. And with him comes joy, and with him comes peace, and with him comes confidence that you and I can march through a world in turmoil and yet say, greater is he that is in you than he that is what? 
in the world. Because His name is not only Jesus that would show us to save us from our sins, but Emmanuel, God with us. The question is simply, do you know Him, isn't it? Do you know Him? The heathen rage, why God works. The world's in turmoil, why God provides joy, peace, and confidence. The joy of the Lord the shepherd's on a mission is the last thing we see here. Look at verse 15. And it shall come to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those sayings which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept and pondered these, kept these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Verse 17, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Shepherds on a mission. I think about it for a moment here. These shepherds are tending their sheep, the sacrifices that were there, the sheep probably intended for sacrifice in the temple. Some of those sheep didn't have long to live, all right? Intended for the temple where the sacrifices would be made. And they would tend those sheep and those sacrifices would be made over and over and over again as they had for thousands of, so over a thousand years, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, time and time again. And the shepherds tending their sheep, hoping for the promised Messiah of the Old Testament while they tended these sheep, meant for another sacrifice that would not bring much to them, but another sacrifice, another looking forward. And all of a sudden, the heavens opened and the angel stands before them and said, the promised one, the Messiah, the Christ, the one who will die for the sins of the world is here and he is born in a little manger in Bethlehem. And, and why don't you, why, and he tells them of them and they get done and they say, well, he said it. I'm tired of watching these sheep, sheep the sacrifice that's year after year. I want to go see the last one. And they got up and they left that hillside and they went down and they found him lying in a manger and there they saw him and there they worshiped him and they saw him and guess what overcame them? They said, this is too much for me to keep in. I have got to let it out. You ever been there when you had something that was too much to keep in? You had to let it out. And here are these shepherds and God had moved throughout the course of history to bring the Lord Jesus Christ to that day and that place and that time. And now the angels would announce his birth. And here these shepherds are witnesses to it on a silent little hillside and the voice of the angel. And they said, I've got to tell everybody I can. What a night. What a night. Be good for us all to go back a little bit, wouldn't it? To remember that night tonight. That one who was born that night. That one who didn't just, and you know what the amazing thing about it? We don't just have to look to his birth. We can look to his life, can't we? A sinless life, tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. Tempted by Satan, betrayed by his own, ministering and proving throughout his life over and over again that he was who he said he was. He would walk on water and prove his power over nature and say, peace be still. He would heal those with disease and prove his nature over disease. He would cast out demons and show his power over the supernatural. He would forgive men for sins and show his power and his ability to forgive sins. And, and he would die on the cross and he would, he would lay down his life, but he would also take it back up again. And there's not just an empty manger, friend, there's an empty tomb. 
because not only was our Savior born, but he died and he rose again and he's ascended to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. And we are looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God. And he is coming again. And there is something that shouldn't be able to stay on the inside when you think about your Jesus. There is something that ought to overflow from our life. The world must know. My friends must know. My family must know. Other Christians must know. All must know about the one born that night. They couldn't help it. You notice there was not one single command to go tell everybody, was there? There was no command. There was no need to say go. It was just what happened when they saw him. And I will tell you, when you see him, you will need no command. When you walk with him, you will need no instruction. When you have been near him, you will need no prodding. Because what the one that you see in his presence will be the one you want to speak to everybody about. The one you want to tell everybody about. Because you have seen him. And been with him. Friend, there's coming a day, friend, for the grace of God that teaches, or for the grace of God that brings salvation that appeared unto all men, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Once upon a time, some shepherds stood on a hillside waiting for the day for the arrival of the Messiah. They didn't know anything about the announcement, how he had told Mary she was about to have him. They didn't know anything or know about how the Lord had told Joseph and had told Zacharias and Elizabeth, didn't know anything about it. But the heavens opened that night and some angels told them all about it. And they walked down into a manger and they saw him and they worshiped him. Friend, there's coming a day. Those clouds are going to open again. That trumpet's going to sound and we're going to be caught up together to be with him one day. Friend, I... I don't know what, I, don't, I would have loved to have been on that hillside and see that night, but there's coming a day, friend, which will be so much better. You know what happened after, after they told everybody? They went back to the hillside, back to tending sheep, at least for another 33 years or so. But they went back, but there's coming a day when that trumpet's going to sound. And there's no coming back to do our regular deeds. We're going to be with our Savior for all of eternity. We're going to be with him for all time. A call. Shepherds on a mission. No command given. No instruction. No great commission. They had just seen him. And they couldn't help but say something about him. Isn't that the way it ought to be, Christian? Isn't that the way it ought to be? I don't know about you. I could give you Bible reason to tell somebody. Go ye into all the world. Preach gospel to every Christian. The reconciled, you've been committed unto you the word of reconciliation. The New Testament church testimony and, and life and how they lived in that day. But friend, without all of that, have you been with him? Oh friend, have you seen him? Have you heard from him in his word? Has he touched your soul and saved your life? Has he given you a home in heaven? Friend, tell somebody. I think of the Christmas story, and in it we see the sovereignty of God. Unless you get too burdened down with our world, let's go back to the Christmas story. Friend, no republic, 
an empire ruled. No voting for your elected leaders. They were ordained by someone else to be your ruler. No voting, a conquered people trying to scrape by on the, what they could in their time. Just trying to get by. A poor man going to give taxes. We know he was poor because the sacrifice he would give on the eighth day was a, some doves and some turtle, a turtle dove and some things of that nature. And that was the sacrifice of a poor man. Didn't have much to bring to the temple. Not much money. A conquered people fleeing for their life. And yet God was working behind the scenes. I will tell you something, it doesn't matter what's happening up there. There's a God who sits on the throne of heaven who's working behind the scenes. He's working behind the scenes. And in his announcement, we see the same things that can be present in our life. We have a Savior. We have a Savior. The joy of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, the confidence in the Lord, that as we walk through this life, the presence of God. And then, friend, some shepherds on a mission. Oh, we've got the command. But friend, there's too much. I don't need a command. <laughs> I don't need one because I have him. May of 1995, Madera Baptist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. On a Wednesday night, my father preached from 1 John. I walked forward and trusted Christ as my Savior. And the one who was born in that manger was born again in my heart. And I became a child of God. What should I wait for? Some command, some instruction? Absolutely not. I've got all the reason I need. And not only an empty manger, but an empty tomb. And a coming Savior. And friend, not only is it what he has done for me, but I look out there and I see a world, and he did it for them. He did it for them. The overflow. The overflow of meeting with Jesus is what we see in the shepherd's life. They had seen his presence and they had to tell somebody. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the scripture. A little glimpse back to the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. The angel would say, for unto you is born this day, born for us to die on the cross that we might be saved. Lord, I'm so thankful for that. Lord, I pray that as you have spoken to our hearts that we would respond. Lord, maybe it's a step of faith just to trust the Lord. Maybe someone's burdened here with some trial they're facing and they're reminded again that God is in control to just simply trust him and follow him. Lord, maybe it's the joy or the peace of the Lord that is needed that only Christ can provide. Lord, maybe it's just to let the overflow of who Christ is pour into us a desire to let others know about Christ. But as you have spoken to our heart, I pray that we would respond. Let me ask you this this morning, with heads bowed and eyes closed there in your seat. How I many could say, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart this morning. Maybe you'd say, preacher, I, maybe it's just a confidence in the Lord, a faith and a trust in Him that He is working behind the scenes. And maybe you would say, preacher, I'm going through a difficult time. And I was reminded that God is in control. Maybe you've been caught up with what's going in the world and not, not, not caught up enough in who Christ is. But... Say, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart in that matter. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? And let me ask you this then, Christian. How many of you say, preacher, maybe it's the joy of the Lord that's needed in my life. The peace of God. 
Some things only Christ can provide, a confidence in Him. And you'd say, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart. I, I need that working of God in my life. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? And thank you, may put your hand down. Maybe it's that overflow. Maybe it's the overflow. Maybe you are serving God and sharing the gospel, but it's been a little bit too much duty and not enough overflow. But you say, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? And would you stand with me as the pianist begins to play? As God has spoken to your heart, the invitation is given. And I would say this, if God has taken the time to speak with you, take time to respond. I don't think that we can have a holy God from a holy heaven bend his ear and his lips and speak to our hearts and remain the same. We must make a decision what we would do with the Lord. Let me ask you this, folks that are still in your seats. Maybe you'd say, preacher, let me ask you this. How many of you can say this morning, preacher, I, I know that I'm saved. That's a settled thing for me. I've trusted Christ as my Savior, and heaven is my home. That's a settled thing for me. Is there anybody like that? You'd raise your hand and say, preacher, I know that heaven is my home. That's where I'm headed. Thank you. you. may put your hand down. Is there anybody left maybe in your seat this morning? You say, preacher, you preach about Christ and what he did for me at the cross, and I'm not sure that I know him. I, I can't look back at a time. or not sure that I'm saved, but I want to settle that this morning. I want to come to know the Lord personally. Is there anybody like that? You say, preacher, would you pray for me? I want to know the Lord. I want to know the Lord. And Christian, as God has spoken to your heart, as the invitation is given, take time to spend with the Lord. 